Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Jennifer Safran Kelly is the author of End Papers, a novel. She, her, they, them lives in Ithaca, New York, where they write, bind books, and work as a production editor at Cornell University Press. End Papers is their debut novel. In 2018, it won a grant from the Barbara Deming Memorial Fund. In 2019, it was selected as a finalist for the SFWP Literary Awards Program and for the James Joyce First Novel Fellowship. Their short fiction has appeared in Hobart, Black Warrior Review, Green Mountains Review, Iron Horse Literary Review, Grist, a Journal of the Literary Arts, and elsewhere. 
In 2014, they were selected to study in the Writer to Writer Mentorship Program of the Association of Writers and Writing Programs. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, or clearly Moms Don't Have Time to Host Podcasts today, to talk about End Papers, a novel. I have a sick kid here, so thank you for going with the flow. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And again, no, no, all good. You- <laughs> okay, Jennifer, tell everybody about your book. My book. Uh, so my book, the title is End Papers, and it's a literary mystery of sorts, a sort of bookish literary mystery about a genderqueer bookbinder who is struggling both in her artistic life and in her relationship and also with her gender identity. And it's the early 2000s, so no mainstream pronouns to call on or words like non-binary or genderqueer. And so near the beginning of the book, Dawn, the main character, finds a letter underneath the end papers of a book that she's repairing at work. And it's on the back of the torn off cover of a lesbian pulp novel from the 1950s. And it's a love letter from one girl to another. And that's all she knows because it's written in German. And so that sort of is the inciting action of the book and sets our main character on a journey to find out who wrote this letter, how their life went, and if it might help her make sense of her own identity and all of the issues that she's having. So, yeah. Amazing. That's such a great premise for a book. I love it. And you do bookbinding yourself or how did it tell us the whole backstory? I do. I do. And it's actually kind of funny. I was thinking about this just as I was getting on here that there's a story that I've never told anybody because it's really embarrassing. No, we love embarrassing. I've never told stories. So I was, I was just a little bit obsessed with, with book arts, um, just as a person when I graduated from college and I moved to New York city And I had this little studio apartment in Brooklyn and I turned the kitchen into basically a paper making studio. I wanted to teach myself how to make paper. And I thought, well, this is my space and I can do it. So my very first sheet of paper that I made, like I blended some stuff up and some flowers and some paper. And the embarrassing part is that after I pulled my first sheet of paper and like transferred the wet sheet onto whatever it was to dry, I immediately started imagining that I was going to be on a talk show someday. (laughs) Talking about because everyone would want to know how I made a piece of paper in my Brooklyn apartment. I am actually fascinated with how you made a piece of paper in your Brooklyn apartment. So you've come (laughs) to the right place. I love that this full circle moment. But wait, seriously, go back to just how to make paper and the and even the the desire to make your own paper. Like, where do you even begin? So there are professional paper makers don't do it this way, but if you want to make paper at home, essentially you find old paper to recycle. Some people use dryer lint, but I feel like it doesn't have a very papery texture and you can put in dried flowers and all kinds of things. And then you, you get a blender and you add water, you blend it all up and then you need screens and they have a real name that I'm forgetting right now, but essentially it's like a frame with like a screen on it and then another frame that doesn't have a screen. Okay. And I'm, I feel like I'm really letting down your audience right now by not remembering what these are You could make up, you could make up a word. We would never know the difference. Okay. And so then you put the plain screen on the plain frame on top of the one with the screen, you dip it into your vat of water and paper pulp and you sort of shake it a little bit. I'm doing this, but I know your audience can't see. I'm doing the motion right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and you pull it out 
And then once the water drains out, you transfer it onto like a a towel or something like a piece of flannel, something really smooth, and you let it dry. And then you have a piece of paper. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, and you can also like beat th- like I was be- I would go up on my roof and like beat boiled daffodils with a rolling pin and like I was very serious. I really wanted to make beautiful paper, but I didn't have a real paper making studio and I didn't know how you really make beautiful paper, you know, so I was just doing it in my kitchen. Wait, so then when you dried these individual pieces of paper out mm-hmm. and then they dried, then what did you do with them? I collected them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I sometimes wrote notes on them. Um, I would write thank you notes. I love writing letters to people. I'm sort of a throwback. So I would collect them. I wanted to make my own artist books. And artist books are essentially works of art in book form. And so I was sort of just seeing what I could do. But I started with that. And I hadn't actually bound any books yet. That came after through my love of paper making, I discovered the Center for Book Arts in New York. And I started taking classes. And then I took real paper making classes with a real professional paper maker. And that was amazing. It was it like blew my mind because you use things like cotton and linen rag. And there are these beautiful like commercial vats and hydraulic presses and, you know, a whole wet studio with a floor that's slanted toward a drain. And so you're just in there making a mess and making beautiful paper and it's it's fantastic. I feel like this is a is a necessary field trip destination. They should have kids go and see how paper's made. Cuz every they should, I, this is this is not like um when I say commercial this is also not like um a factory. What do you call it? Like a factory. Yeah, right, this right, is right. an artist yeah. making paper, but yes, I agree. My school took kids to go to like a matzo making factory once. I mean, it's not like a factory, you know, cuz a lot of it is by hand. But it was yeah. that same thing. They like put on little caps and I'm like, I would so love to go to a, to a field trip myself. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll suggest this to the school. Same. Probably getting too old, but. <laughs> no, no. Chaperone. <laughs> Chaperone, yeah. So then you learn to make paper in these amazing classes and then talk about how that led to book binding and what that entails on your end. Yeah. So then I went to the Center for Book Arts, took book binding, paper making, letterpress printing. And then I got an internship. So I started calling. We still had the yellow pages when I was doing this, by the way. I remember the yellow pages very well. (laughs) It was pre everyone having internet in their house. So I actually was living in Brooklyn and I did the craziest thing. I opened the yellow pages and started looking for hand book binders in Brooklyn. And to my utter shock, I found one within walking distance of my apartment and I called the binder and I said, Hey, I'd really love to intern with you. What do I need to do? And she said, well, you know, what's your experience? I said, well, I'm taking a workshop right now. And she said, okay, is it like, did you finish it? I said, no, no, I've only taken two classes. (laughs) And she said, "Um, okay, well, you know, it would be great if you had more experience. And I said, well, I'm just really enthusiastic. And long story short, she said, well, why don't you come by and we'll just meet and talk. And she gave me a test without telling me it was a test. And we talked and then she said, you know, I really like you. So sure. So then you interned there? So I interned there and then she introduced me to my former boss at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, who was looking for a volunteer in their book conservation lab. And they took me. So within my first year of taking bookbinding workshops, I had inserted myself (laughs) in two different 
internships. So I was able to learn on the job. I was very serious and I was, I was very driven. So for years I did that. You have to talk to our first Zibby Books author, Alicia Fernandez Miranda, who took a year off and did four internships because it's rare to find other people who take internships on and then they lead to all these great things. You would yeah. Have and I was working full time while I did that. Wow. Too. And what was your full-time job at the time? What was your day job? I was working at a college textbook publisher. You have had such an interesting interesting. life. I'm like so into this whole story. (laughs) Keep telling me stories. (laughs) Well, that's that's how I started writing ultimately was through just writing little things for these artist books that I was working on because I never considered myself to be a writer. I was much more interested in the book as an object at that time. So, Wow. So, and then your book is called End Papers. And I happen to be speaking of field trips and end papers. Um, we had two kindergarten field trips recently at this at the bookstore I opened in California. And they were so cute. They like came in in the pouring rain and sat down. And I was teaching them all about end papers and how it's so, it's such a under celebrated thing. I'd like love opening up a book and seeing what the end papers are, um, especially children's books, which sometimes can be really clever. And an illustration unto themselves. So we were talking all about end papers. And now your book is called End Papers, but I only have the galley here, although I think I have the finished copy somewhere. So when you were doing end papers for end papers, what did you do? Um, they're white. Oh no. <laughs> I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> it wasn't my choice. Um, but I did I did do we did a handbound giveaway. So I did take one copy of the book and I tore off the cover. I mean, gently. And I rebound it. I did a collage and I rebound it and I actually made a pocket in the end paper and I I hid something in there, a note on the back of a, a oh. print of a pulp cover and somebody won that copy. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's really that cool. was really fun. You should do more of those. I should. I also, I do work full-time now too. Okay. And I, okay. And I have a 15-year-old <laughs> and that one took me like two and a half full days to do, just to give you a sense of how long. Oh, wow. This can take, yeah. I have two 15-year-olds, I have to say. So I know how that goes. <laughs> or I don't know exactly. I mean, every kid is so different, but at least yeah, the land and, of development. And you have four. You have four kids, right? I do have four kids. Yeah. These two little ones also. Not so little anymore. But um, yeah. And what is your full-time job now? So now I work at Cornell University Press as a production editor and that's all I'll say. Yeah. The other might not be. Anyway, that's what I do. <laughs> that's what you do. Okay. <laughs> so you help with book production. Yeah. So I, I basically, once a book is accepted for publication, and it's been through the editorial process with the acquisitions editor, then it would come to me or one of my colleagues and we see it through copy editing and um, page proofs and production until it's a bound book. Yeah. We call that our managing editor here. That's what she yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So then when did you end up writing this book and how are you still writing? When are you doing everything then? At night? Uh, at 5.30 in the morning. Okay. Yeah. I'm part of the 5 a.m. Writers Club on Twitter. Is that really a thing? It is really a thing. Check the hashtag. Yeah. Oh, and they actually have real, they have like real virtual meetups sometimes, but I don't ever go because it's my only writing time. So I, I really just write and check in with the hashtag. And then sometimes on weekends and then um, occasional retreats, like I'll, I'll go for like a weekend and write. So I started writing end papers and I guess it was a few years before, 
were maybe a year before 2016. And then I just sort of wrote one very long sentence and didn't really know what to do with it. So I, I put it away for a long time. And then and then I always hate this part of the story, but then Trump was elected and I felt like I needed to go back to it. And so I, I started working on it in earnest around 2016. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. then what, and wait, first of all, how do you follow, and this is going to sound so stupid. How do you become part of a hashtag on Twitter? Does that mean you just like, <laughs> do you just follow the hashtag and then you're part of it? Or do you have to apply somewhere or anything? You just follow it? Just follow it and you can use it. So I just, I, you know, I got up early to write and I started getting on Twitter and I saw this hashtag that was 5 a.m. Writers Club. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to jump in there. That's, That's I so do. cool. Because I just really wanted community. You know, it's it's not easy to get up every morning to write when you have a full day of work ahead of you and a kid and all that. But this community is so supportive. Just really, really nice people who are super committed and they're there every morning. It's amazing. So then so, you all wake up and tweet each other, basically? Yeah, we, yeah. essentially wake up, make our coffee and a lot of gifts. Huh. A lot of gifts being shared. So cool. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I, yeah. I sound idiotic, obviously, but I have no. never, I have not figured out Twitter. It's like not intuitive to me and I'm scared of it. And so I feel like Instagram, I know really well. And then Twitter, I just like pop on every so often and I'm like, I don't know, I can't make sense of this world. And then I leave. So anyway. I'm the opposite. I'm just getting used to Instagram now. Okay. Well, maybe we can teach each other, each other how to do these platforms. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's not rocket science, but I have not invested the time to figure it out, which I should. There's apparently lots of writers are on Twitter and I'm like missing out. So anyway, that's so sweet. I I love like the visual of all these authors waking up all over the world and texting each other with their coffees. Like, doesn't that feel like a scene out of a movie or something? 
right? It's, that's really awesome. So what is it about writing for you? Why do you make the time? I mean, that's a big commitment. Why? Yeah, I think I've always had creative stuff that I've done and it's always been around words and I never really, like I said, thought of myself as a writer. And then when when my son was born, I didn't have time to work in my bindery anymore because it's a good 20 minutes to set up and then clean up after you work. So that just wasn't happening. And I had collaborated on some other projects with friends and I couldn't do that anymore because I couldn't commit to a schedule. So I had to do something and writing was the thing that was always the thread that was running through. And I had never been interested even in um, sharing my work like beyond my own community. I really just did it and have always done it for me just because I've needed it. And then writing just seemed like the thing I could do. You know, if I could grab 15 minutes while my son was napping, then that's what I did. And I, I started to feel like for the first time, like I was really using my voice. And then I was working for a journal where there were three male editors and I was really doing a lot of the work and they were doing a lot of the, you know, exciting part, you know, like getting to go to conferences and, you know, talk to people about the journal. And, you know, I was really behind the scenes, but I was doing a lot of the work and I thought, well, if I'm putting this much effort into getting other people's work out there, maybe I'm allowed to have my own voice and maybe I'm allowed to do that for myself. And so it really sort of inspired me to try to start publishing. And the more I wrote, the more I just felt like I was, again, doing it for myself, but then thinking if I need this, maybe somebody else does too. And I just, it's just something I do. Like I can't not do it, I guess. And even if I never published a word, I think I would still do it. I went 10 years without publishing much. I published some short stories, but really I just, I'm not a happy person if I don't do it, I guess. Um, yeah. Have you seen, speaking of really cool book related arts, someone gave me, I could go grab it in the other room, but somebody recently gave me a copy of the memoir that I wrote, but they had done origami with all the pages. And so then when you open it, it says my name. Have you ever seen anything like that? No, that's beautiful. Wait, I'm going to just run it. It's right here. Hold on. Wait, hold, 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 hold on. Okay. I feel like if anyone is going to appreciate this, it's you. Okay. So this is the book, the actual book and like the actual jacket. And then... They made it into my name. This is actually my signature that oh I have. Gosh. Is that the cool? Wait, I, the lights are like really weird here. I can see it. Can you That's see it? Beautiful. Not yes. cool. But then each page is folded. You see this? Yeah. So it's all with folds. That's incredible. Is that the coolest thing ever? I think they cut yeah. some. They cut some because this is indented a little, but but yeah. just in the signature. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, I've seen altered books before. I guess I would call that an altered book, but yeah, never like that. That's really, that's very cool. Yeah. So anyway. And um, congratulations. Oh, no, this is like <laughs> a year ago or something. What cool, what are like some of the coolest book art things you learned or saw in class or that you've been a part of or like what's something cool that you've seen or done? I mean, one of them was learning about how people used to actually find letters under the end papers of books. That was what inspired, um, that stayed with me for years and inspired the story. Um, another one, there's an artist named Kumi Korf who did these really cool 3D books. They weren't pop-up, but she had designed this. I recently, finally, after all these years, got rid of my mock-up. So I can't really show you what it looked like, but Essentially, there were some of the pages would be regular pages, and then the whole thing would turn like a page, but you would have these 
almost like a shadow box with 3D elements in it. And so she sort of invented this way to put a book like this together with regular pages and then 3D pages. And I really loved that. And I made a mock-up of an artist book using that idea that I wanted to have like different parts of cathedrals because it was a little bit about like, what do you, how do you learn to believe in yourself and what do people believe in? And so I was, and I don't know, I had this, this idea that never came to fruition. And I had tried doing all these sculptures with wire and I had this mock-up sitting around for a very long time and I finally just let it go. And someday maybe I would like to try it out again, but that was one of the cooler structures I've seen. And you don't, I haven't seen it since because I think just because she invented it. So it was really, yeah. So neat. It's like a whole new world here. I love this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So back to writing the book, um, why the mystery element? I mean, obviously, if you find something, you know, you have to get to the bottom of it. But I know there's a lot about, you know, identity and what you should look like and what you should wear and who you are to the people in your life at all times and, you know, all of that as well. Tell me about just weaving it all in together and all the different threads yeah, I love a good mystery. If I'm going to read, I, I, I love literary fiction and I, I write literary fiction, but I, I love a good page turner. And the older I get, the more I appreciate that. I think I said recently, like, especially in TV, because otherwise I fall asleep while I'm watching. So, <clears throat> so I think I really just wanted to create something that would keep people interested, a story that would keep people turning the pages and would keep me interested in writing it. Um, because I, I don't outline to the end when I write. And so I feel like I'm almost reading as I'm writing. Mm -hmm. So I'm like writing to find out what happened. So I tend to gravitate toward adding elements of mystery. And I knew that I wanted there to be a historical element to the book as well. And so I, I didn't know what I wanted it to be, but when I first when I first came up with the idea, it also just seemed like it had to be a mystery. If somebody was going to find this right. letter under the end papers of a book, like what was going to be the mystery and what was going to be the history there? So that sort of set me up for like mystery and, and history. Sorry, I didn't mean for that to rhyme. But um, yeah, I feel like that sort of set me up to try to uncover for myself what was going on and then um, try to make an interesting story for, for the reader. So cool. To your point about falling asleep early, did you, yeah. I just read somewhere, like somebody posted on maybe Twitter, I don't even know, somewhere, um, you know, why do concerts, like why do musician concerts always happen at night? Why not do like Taylor Swift at 2 p.m.? Like how amazing would that be? And you could be home be so by good. seven, you know? <laughs> that would be so good. I would go right? to for concerts. Yeah. I'm like... Uh, yeah, my whole day skews early. I'm like, why? Like going out at like 8, 8.30 is like, you know, we're having an after party soon. It starts at 7.30, the after party. <laughs> like great. that is my kind of after party. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, and are you still in Brooklyn or did I make that up? No, no, I'm in Ithaca. So I'm upstate now. I've been upstate since I actually left um, on September 1st, 2001, which oh, was wow. heartbreaking. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Then 9-11 happened right after I left. So, yeah. Um, Amazing. Well, do you have any advice for aspiring authors or artists? I think, I mean, my biggest 
advice to people. Somebody just asked, a college student just asked me, how do I get started? And I feel like because I never really thought of myself as a writer and I never got an MFA, I had to, at some point, decide that if I was going to do this, that it was also okay for me to fail and that that was the only way that I would learn. And so when I started, I just made a decision that I didn't have to be good and that I was just going to find people I trusted to read my work and tell me what I was doing wrong or what I could do better. And I always, I just, I went, I approached it with the mind of a student. And I think that really helped me never feel like I couldn't do it because I knew that, you know, once, once I did it, I could do it better and better and better and better. And that was my goal. And so I think for, I don't know, I don't know if that helps people out there feel like, but I know there's a big fear of failure when you first start, like, what if I'm not good enough, you know? And I, one of the things that um, my father said, and we were never very close, but one of the things he told me when I went to college was that if you love something, if you're really passionate about something, then you can assume that the people who do it are probably passionate too. And that as long as you approach them respectfully and kindly, that there will be people who want to talk to you and there will be people who want to help you. And so that's what I did. You know, the same way I did with bookbinding, I reached out, you know, respectfully and kindly. And some people said no, some people said yes, but, you know, writers are nice people and generous people. And if you respect their time, you know, sometimes they'll help you out. So I, um, I took classes. I just, yeah, I just learned and learned and learned and learned until I felt like I could finally do it. And yeah. So I never, I never, I never felt like I was failing even when I probably was. So I would, I would recommend that as an approach. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, do you have a book whose end papers you think are amazing? or the end papers of which you find amazing or whatever? I don't, but you know, my former boss at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, Mindel Dubansky, she just published the result of years worth of research. And it's not necessarily end papers, but it's decorative papers throughout Mm -hmm. history. And it is a gorgeous, gorgeous book. And I wish... I would have to go get it. And I know you have stuff to do, so I won't do that. But but Mindel Dubansky, and it's a book about decorative papers that I would highly recommend that people take a look at because it's beautiful. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have our 5 a.m. author group to now infiltrate. (laughs) Book binding papers and end papers. And I'm feeling very artistically inspired after this conversation. And thank you for the book as well as a throw in. (laughs) So congratulations on end papers and thank you for the chat. Thank you so much, Debbie. This was really fun and I hope your son feels better. Thank you. (laughs) Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.